Hey there, welcome to another episode of Cash Clarity. I'm your host, Abby Nerderman, and I am so happy that you're listening today. Do you know what expenses the IRS considers deductible? In this episode, I'm going over the four rules every business owner should know when it comes to passing the write-off test, or if misfortune would have it, an IRS audit. The IRS, when they do an audit, how do they decide what counts as a write-off? How can we be sure they aren't just making a money grab? Everybody and their dog, including me, wants to owe as little in taxes as possible. And when you're a business owner too, you want to write off as many business expenses as possible to lower your tax obligation. In my time as a professional bookkeeper, I've seen some interesting things to say the least. I once did a bookkeeping rescue job for a client who was claiming some interesting things as business expenses, including car washes, haircuts, and business attire. It's debatable whether or not they should be claimed as business expenses and written off, and you'll understand why when we go over the four rules for deducting expenses. So, What happens if you break the rules? A few things will happen. First, when you file your taxes, you write off or deduct more expenses than you should, which results in understating your taxable income. And if you're audited, you'd owe money on those. Those are otherwise known as back taxes. And second, your financial reports aren't a faithful representation of your business activity which means they aren't as reliable as they could be. If you're using your financials to create budgets or forecasts, those are going to be off. And any of the decisions you make based on that information, well, let's just say that data coming out is only as good as the data coming in. So if you have untrustworthy record keeping, you're going to have untrustworthy reports too. So if you're thinking, Abby, how do I know when I can claim a write-off on my taxes? Or maybe you feel a little overwhelmed and want to avoid reading or researching the tax codes. Don't you worry your pretty little brain. You shouldn't have to hunt through some of the driest reading out there to find out how to be compliant. There are four pretty easy to understand rules that cover most expenses, which I'm going to review with you momentarily. The IRS does spell out some tax deductions specifically. Yes, you can deduct this. No, you can't deduct that. For example, there are specific rules on travel, meals, and entertainment. But the majority of business deductions aren't mentioned anywhere in the code books. What the IRS does tell us is that all business expenses, whether or not they're explicitly mentioned in the code books, must follow four rules in order to be deductible. The first rule is expenses must be incurred in connection with your trade, business, or profession. The second rule is expenses must be ordinary. The third rule is expenses must be necessary. And the fourth and final rule is expenses must not be lavish or extravagant under the circumstances. Any expense that does not meet all four of those requirements cannot be deducted on your business tax return. So let's dive into each of those rules a little deeper. The first rule says expenses must be incurred in connection with your trade, business, or profession. The words trade, business, or profession 
are what the IRS refers to as an activity carried on with a reasonable degree of regularity and with a sincere attempt to make a profit. So a reasonable degree of regularity eliminates occasional activities that bring in little income. For example, my brother, who works as a software coder, he occasionally helps build websites for his friends. He's helped me some too, but he doesn't do it enough regularly and he doesn't really accept money for it. So this wouldn't be considered a, a business or a trade or a profession. Now, seasonal or pop-up businesses qualify if they're ongoing in nature. So if you own a fireworks stand or run a Halloween store that comes up for a few months a year or just a few weeks or days a year, then that would count as a, a trade or business. The other term I mentioned, the sincere attempt to make a profit, that eliminates hobbies or business ventures that are mostly for fun. So the example I like to give here are sometimes photographers. There are many professional photographers and there are many enthusiasts. I myself am an enthusiast or hobbyist. So an enthusiast might sometimes accept payment for taking photos, but mostly they do it because they like doing it, not because they aim to make any real money off of it. And then if we go back and we read that rule again, expenses must be incurred in connection with your trade, business, or profession. The in connection with part of that sentence implies that you have already started a business. So you have to be in business before you're allowed to take business deductions and don't put the cart in front of the horse. So once you are in business and make your first sale, then anything that you've purchased on behalf of the business can be considered a startup cost and then it can be deducted. For example, if you spent money to incorporate, consult with a lawyer, set up a website, buy business cards, etc. All of that in anticipation of starting your business and it takes a few months before you make a sale, technically all of your business expenses up until that sale are startup costs. So if that spreads over calendar years, you're going to want to claim those on the current year and not the prior year. Clear as mud? So sometimes a purchase is for both personal and business use. And in that case, the prorated portion for the business is deductible. And this happens a lot if you have a home-based business, especially if you're paying utilities. At, you can prorate part of those utilities as a business expense, but not the whole part because you're living at home too, right? So that was the first rule. Expenses must be incurred in connection with your trade, business, or profession. The second and the third rules are much more straightforward. So rule number two is expenses must be ordinary. So ordinary meaning common or accepted in your type of business. They do not need to be recurring in your business to be ordinary either. For example, me as a professional bookkeeper, it would be weird if I went out and bought a table saw, which would be ordinary for a contractor or a carpenter. On the other hand, I do have a podcast, this podcast, so buying recording equipment is ordinary for me, where a contractor or a carpenter, that might be seen as highly unusual if they just went out and bought a microphone. So rule number two is expenses must be ordinary. 
Rule number three, expenses must be necessary. Necessary defined by the IRS means it's appropriate and helpful in developing and maintaining your trade or business. For example, buying a second monitor to work on isn't considered necessary under Webster's dictionary version of necessary. You could probably make do with one monitor, right? But the IRS's meaning would accept it as necessary because it is appropriate and it is helpful. So think of the necessary rule as a test for economic justification to the business. Sometimes the IRS will disallow expenses that only benefit the business owner or the owner's family. And this is most common with fringe benefits. And I'm going to give you some more examples here at the end of the episode. So that was rule number three, expenses must be necessary. Rule number four, expenses must not be lavish or extravagant under the circumstances. So really it depends. (laughs) So for example, if you're going to travel for business and you buy a first class ticket, would that be considered lavish or extravagant? I would say if it's the only seat available on the airplane, then yeah, it might not be lavish or extravagant. Or maybe if it's a long trip, like you're spending 12, 13 hours on the plane, that might not be considered lavish or extravagant. Now, if it's just a cross-country flight where maybe you're spending five to six hours total traveling and there's lots of seats available and you could just as easily get a spot in the economy class or maybe the business class, maybe the first class ticket would be considered extravagant in the circumstances. Now, the circumstances can also depend on the size of your business, uh, which can play a factor. So what might be large and lavish for a small business might be a drop in the bucket for a larger business. But there's really no hard and set fast rule that says if your business is this size, then expenses of this amount are going to be considered lavish. Just keep in mind that it's really up to the eye of the beholder and their personal opinion. My advice to you is if it passes your gut check, then it would likely be okay. If you think it could be considered lavish, then it probably is. So if it's no, it's absolutely not lavish, it's not lavish. But if there's kind of a, eh, maybe so-and-so would think it's lavish, then it probably is a little extravagant. So rule number four, expenses must not be lavish or extravagant under the circumstances. Now, remember, with all of these rules, the best way to prove that you meet them is by keeping all of your receipts for everything. And if you're not sure how long to hang on to all those receipts, go back and listen to episode number four, When to Toss Your Money Records. And I'll link up to that in today's show notes, which you can find at goldenratiobookkeeping.com forward slash zero three six. All right. So let's recap those rules one more time. Expenses must be incurred in connection with your trade, business, or profession. Expenses must be ordinary. Expenses must be necessary. And expenses must be lavish or extravagant under the circumstances. Do you call the bookkeeping rescue client that I mentioned earlier in the episode? 
they wanted to book car washes, haircuts, and business attire as business expenses. So now that you know the four rules, what do you think? My answer is it depends, haha. So car washes for most businesses isn't going to meet rules three and four. There's not really economic justification. It mostly benefits the owner and a car wash isn't really appropriate and helpful to maintain or grow a business. I can see if maybe you drive a company vehicle, it being okay. So any contractor that has a branded truck or van, or maybe a delivery service or a taxi or driver service, those would all have a, a just economic justification for getting their car washed. One of the other things I mentioned was haircuts. Haircuts aren't going to meet rule number three either. Again, it only really benefits the business owner and not the business. I would say if you're an actor or a model or entertainer of some kind and you are contractually obligated to have a certain hairstyle, then I'd say, yeah, it's a business expense. Otherwise, nope, sorry. And then as for business attire, for most businesses, it only benefits the owner. However, clothing is one of those expenses that are explicitly defined by the IRS. Clothing used exclusively for work and unsuitable for streetwear is deductible. And some examples are scrubs for medical professionals, aprons or smocks for culinary professionals, safety glasses and steel-toed boots for construction workers. You get the idea. Now, Branded clothing can be written off as well. It can fall into the advertising bucket. So if you want a hat or a polo or a sweatshirt with your logo on it, go ahead and use your business funds. Otherwise, stick to buying clothes with your own money, not the businesses. So now I want you to add these four questions to your purchase consideration checklist. Is the purchase for my business? Is this purchase typical for my type of business? Is this purchase appropriate and helpful for maintaining or growing my business? And would someone else consider this purchase lavish or extravagant in this situation? If you don't ask these questions on the front end of a purchase, you might end up making what the IRS would consider a personal purchase with your business payment method. And you might end up claiming it on your taxes as a write-off, which means you would be understating your tax obligation to the IRS, and if the IRS were to find out and audit you, you would owe in back taxes. Once they find one purchase that doesn't pass the four rules, they will take a hard look at all transactions similar to it and might decide to disallow those too. However, when separating personal spending from business spending is done with sincerity, it will result in financials that are consistent, precise, and a faithful representation of your business, which not only means your tax obligation will be an accurate portrayal and less likely to be audited, but your financial reports will be more reliable, making you more informed to make good, sound decisions. Now that we're at the end of the episode, you shouldn't feel like tax obligations for write-offs are a big mystery only known to the IRS, and you should have clarity on the four rules for passing the write-off test. I hope you come back for the next episode because I'm talking all about how to pay yourself as a business owner. 
I'll share all about how you actually take home your cut on the up and up. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the show where you listen to podcasts. And I'd be ever so grateful if you leave a review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help potential listeners just like you find this show. Until next time.